Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. We are continuing in our series of the seven letters to the church. Amen. What a, what a, what a powerful, amazing series that, uh, that the Lord's been putting together here. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm thankful for it. I'm, I'm thankful for these amazing letters that Jesus wrote to the church. Now, how many of y'all, how many of y'all remember that Jesus didn't just write this to, to the church at Ephesus? He didn't write it just to the church at Smyrna or Pergamos or Thyatira or Sardis or Philadelphia or Laodicea. He wrote this to every Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Holy Ghost church. Amen. That is that is up and running here in 2020. Amen. That that that, that means he wrote to Island Church. Amen. He he wrote these things to help what to prepare the path for us to help to help correct us where we need correcting and help us to move in to the things that he has for each and every one of us. And I'm telling you, I am thankful for it. Amen. Now we should finish up the letter of Pergamos today, and, uh, and we'll move forward. We're, we're almost about halfway through, amen? I cannot believe how long it's taken us to get through these letters, but, but praise God, we, we will eventually get through them, amen? Amen. Hold on, let me... All right, thank you. People are blowing up my, my watch here, and it's annoying me. So anyhow, we are in Revelations chapter 2, amen? Now, moving forward here, it says in verse 12 here, it says, unto the angel at the church at Pergamos, he says, write these things, he that saith, that he, he saith, he who has the sharp sword with two edges, who has a sharp two-edged sword. So this is obviously Jesus. He's the one that holds, he holds the word of God. And he, he says, write this unto the angel. Now, who is the angel? Remember, this is, this is the, this is the leader of the church, this is the elder of the church. This is the, the pastor, the apostle. This is, this is the overseer or the bishop of the church that he's, that he's talking to, you know, you know, we were, I was, we were talking about this, this verse, uh, with, with some people earlier in the week and they, and they're like, well, how come the Lord addressed them as angels? Right? Why, why, why did they address them as angels? Aren't we, aren't we at a higher rank than angels? And, and the answer to that is yes, we are. So why, why did he, why did he, why did he call us angels in these things? We've got to remember when we're studying through the Word of God, especially when we're in the Book of Revelations, there is many things in the in the Word here that we need to take literal. Amen. But there's many things that are that are symbolic or figurative or that we need to allow the Holy Ghost to reveal to us what these things are saying. Now, now, when he's talking to the angel, we know throughout the word of God that God has never placed an angel over a church. Why? Because it, it is man's job, man and women's job to preach the gospel. That's that's what God has given us. That is our job. Amen. that's not just my job. Amen. That, that's our job as, as a body of Christ. We are to preach the word word of God. But if you look at what the Greek word for angel is, is angelo, right? And it simply means messenger. Amen. So what is he saying? He's saying, he's saying he's speaking to his messenger, his person that he has, that he has placed to give, give revelation or the, to, to give the word of God, to teach, to, to complete the body of Christ, to mature the body of Christ, to teach them the work of the ministry, to edify the body of Christ, as we see in Ephesians chapter 12. I mean, he's talking to the ministers of the church. Amen. Now I'm telling you, you know, God is the one that places people in authority in a church. Amen. 
Amen? Authority is a good thing. Authority is not a bad thing. Amen? When authority is operated properly, it is a good thing. It's not something that we should steer away from. It is something that we should put ourselves under. Amen? Because it, it is an amazing thing that God has given for us. Now listen, in, uh, uh, if he has placed these people in authority, it is important. It is important for us to be Church, it is important for us to be in a, in a word-preaching church. Amen? It is important for us to be in the place that God has called us to into a, a word-believing church, a word-preaching church that knows how to flow in the Holy Ghost. You say, why? Why is that? Because we need, we need people, we need leaders that have been ordained by Jesus and not just by man. We need, we need people that are, are led by Jesus and not just by man. We need people that teach Jesus. We need people to teach the Word of God. We need people that will allow the flow of the Spirit of God to come through the church. Why? Because it is the culture of the kingdom. It's the culture of the kingdom. We need, we need to be taught how to live after the kingdom of God and not after what's going on outside the four walls of the, earth, uh, the world out there. Why? Because we're, we're called to change that out there, but we can only change that with what the culture that, that God has created on the inside of the church. Amen. I'm telling you, we need to be mindful of the places that we're at. You know, before I got... Hmm, before I got completely sold out to the things of God, you know, I got, I got into a Holy Ghost church, into, into a faith type, uh, type churches. And, and I'm telling you, I, I was nervous about inviting people to church. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I, I come out of the Baptist church and I got into, when I, I, I knew the power of God was coming, I was like, man, there ain't no way I want to invite family or my mom or my dad who are Baptist or, or her family who are her Baptist or my friends, you know, that we knew from the Baptist. There's no way I wanted to invite any of them to that church. Why? Because what, what if that preacher starts speaking in tongues? What if a tongue interprets? comes out? What if they start prophesying to someone? What if they lay hands on the sick and someone falls out? You know, what, what if one of these crazy things happen? I'm telling you, the Lord arrested me over that. He arrested me over it. He said, he was like, Ryan, what, what is it that changed you to make you leave denominationalism and, and get, get full off into, into, into a spirit-filled church? What was that? I said, well, it was a Holy Ghost meeting that I got involved in where people were falling all over the place. Not only are they falling down, they're getting raised back up. You know, people are getting healed. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know what tongues were at that time, but they were flowing like mad, you know, throughout that congregation. The reality of the Acts church was in manifestation. Amen. And it was such a reality to me. I couldn't go, I couldn't go back to anything else. I couldn't have anything else. And he said, well, why would you desire to rob people of the same experience that you got? Robbing me, robbing them, excuse me, of the culture of the kingdom of God. Church, we got to get to this place where we change our perception. Amen. Change our perception instead of trying to have Jesus change his perception of the way the church needs to be ran. We need to change our perception to we start yielding to the way he desires to move in a church, not how we think things ought to be done. Because I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost knows how to change people. He knows how to get a hold of people. He knows how to rock people's world to make it to where they'll never go back to the ways they used to. But we got to allow him to move in those things. We don't need to hinder him. Amen. He says, for I know your works. He goes, where you, you know, you dwell in, you, uh, even where you dwell in Satan's seat, you hold fast unto my name, and you haven't denied my faith, even in those days where Antipas was, was faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan's seats 
dwell. He goes, I, I mean, I, that, that is powerful right there. He says, I know your works. Now listen to this, that, that, that word, that word know there. And when he says, I know that's the Greek word I do. Amen. And that, that word literally means to know, to perceive or to properly means to place your eyes upon something. I'm telling you that that can be a wake up call right there. You know, Jesus, Jesus isn't saying, you know, guys, I'm a, I'm coming. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about your works because someone's told off on you. That's not what he's saying. He didn't say, he didn't say uh, Satan came and narked on you. Do you, you know what that, y'all know what that is over here? Yeah. Nark. Yeah. He said, Satan didn't come and nark on you. He says, I came down and I walked among the churches and I placed my eyes upon the things that are going in the church. I placed my eyes upon things. I've seen things for myself. I have my little notebook and I'm watching what the churches are doing. No one's telling me these things. I've come among the church. Why? Because remember in Revelation chapter one, he's the one that walks among the land stands, right? He, he comes and he walks among the churches. Jesus himself comes here and verifies the things that are going on. Jesus himself will tell us the things that need to be corrected. Jesus himself also gives us praise for the things that are going well. Amen. He was giving the church praise here. He said, I know, I know, I know the works. You're, you're sitting in, you're sitting in, your, your city's in Satan's seat where he, where Satan himself dwells. This is the, this is the place that's considered, you know, the, the capital of Asia. Pergamos was the capital of Asia and it was considered Considered the the capital of, if if you will, you know, emperor worship and pagan worship. He says, I, I know the places that you're going, you've, and you've held fast unto my name. You haven't given up on my faith. You've held fast to those things, even to the point when they came up to you and said, you know what? If you don't worship Caesar, you're going to die. You said, let it be done. Let it be done. I will not give up. And he goes, I, I saw those things. I saw it. And I give him praise for you. I, I gave, I'm giving you praise for sowing your life as a seed to make change in that city, to make change in Asia, to make change. He goes, I've noticed those things. I've noticed those things. He says, but I've also noticed some things that, that you may need a rebuke for. I know some things that, that some correction needs to come upon you, that needs to come upon the church. Now, listen, listen, I'm telling you, I love correction. I am thankful for correction. I am, I am pleased when correction comes forth. I may not be so pleased in the moment when it's happening, but I'm telling you, it's something that, that I receive. I've learned to, to be thankful for because it changes things in your life. It will bring long lasting change in your life if you allow it to come and take place. Amen. I'm, I know, I know correction hurts for a minute, but I'm telling you, it's, it's just a minute, but it'll last a lifetime. It'll last a lifetime. You know, my, I was uh, talking to my pastor last week and he, he gave me a ring and I didn't, catch, I didn't catch it. So he left me a voicemail and the voicemail was like this. I listened to it to see what he needed before I, I called him back. And he said, Ryan, this is your pastor. Give me a call. And I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Why? Because see, he usually don't call me like that, right? He usually, he's like, hey, Ryan, this is Rusty. You know, just, just want to see how everything's going. But see, he was calling me in his office, right? Yeah, this, this is your pastor. You need to call me back. And I was like, what in the world? What in the world did I, have I done, you know? <laughs> I, started, I started thinking about it for a few minutes. Like, oh, man, I've, it's, it's almost been three weeks since I talked to him. 
It's only been three weeks since I picked up the phone and called him. And any time I'm going over a week and a half, two weeks, he, he gets a little perturbed, amen. And so I picked up the phone and I was like, hey, pastor, how's it going? He goes, hmm, how's it going over there with you? I said, it's going, it's going good. He goes, how's your church going? I said, it's going good. How many, how many services are you having? We're still having two services a week. What have you been teaching on? I said, and I told him the things we've been teaching on by the leading of the spirit. And he was like, all right, all right, all right. And I said, pastor, everything's going great. Everything's going great over here. We're saying we're standing in faith. We're we're believing, you know, God for the church growth, even in the midst of all this pandemic. We're not slowing down. We're not pulling back. We're as a matter of fact, our services are increasing every week. I said it's been amazing. I think things are going great. And he goes, oh, okay, I know, I know, because because if I if I was calling it wasn't that a way, he goes, you'd be getting a butt chewing right now. And I go, uh, and it just it just brought a smile to my face when he said that. Now see, most people are like, oh. He give you a butt chew. Who do you think you talk to me like that? Who do you think you are talking to me, give me a butt chew? I'm a pastor too. Who do you think you are? You can't talk to me like that. See, most people get offended, you know, when, when things like that get said. But I'm telling you, you brought a smile on my face. Why? Because I know he loves me enough to where if I need correcting, and he has done it, when, when I need correcting, he'll speak those things in my life. He loves this church enough to where if things are going in the wrong direction, he would speak things that need to be correct. I'm telling you, correction's wonderful. Amen. Thank God for people. Thank God for the Holy Ghost that will correct us. Amen. Let me just, I'll say that, Lord. And we all know this, these people sitting in here, maybe this is for the people on the podcast, but we know the Holy Ghost will correct us in many things. But the Holy Ghost doesn't correct us by, by sickness and disease. He doesn't correct us by taking us and, and t- getting our business taken away from us. He doesn't correct us by killing off one of our children. That's not how the Lord corrects us. The Lord corrects us simply by the Holy Ghost, and he simply corrects us by the Word of God. Sometimes he'll use spiritual leadership when we can't listen to the other other two, but, but praise God, God always desires to correct us by the Holy Ghost and the word. If we have ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord is trying to say to us. Amen. Now listen in verse 14 In verse 14, it says, but I have a few things against you. He goes, I have a few things against you. He goes, because you have, you have, you have there them that hold to the doctrine of, of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block. Now listen, let me I'll put a pause there for a second. Now you may hear me go back and forth between Balaam and Balaam or Balak and Balak. And the reason for that is because I come from the States and we always, we always pronounce things wrong, amen? But the correct way to say it would be Balaam and Balak, amen? So anyhow, if, you, if I go back and forth, that's, I'm talking about the same people here. Now he says, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. He goes, so have you heard of them of the, of the hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate, which things I hate. Like I said, when we talked about Ephesus, anytime Jesus says it's something that he hates, I'm telling you, we better start keying in on it because there is a reason why he hates it and we need to adhere to it. We need to push those things back. Now, what, now just as a brief review, what was the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? Amen. Now, remember Nicolaitans is, is the, is a word we have now for Nicholas. It comes from Nikos and it comes from Laos. Nikos means to conquer and subdue and laos means people it's where we get the where we get the word laity right so it means to conquer and subdue people amen so so this is the the forefront of what this doctrine means is what you have a separation between 
clergy, and then you have laity. You have the king and the church, or the king of religion, and then you have the people that are underneath them. Now, why is that such a problem? Why? Because Jesus is the king. He is the head of the church. You know, ministers, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, yes, they are spiritual leadership. Yes, we honor those things. Yes, God has given them here to, to, to help the church, but they are not kings over the church. They are not, they are not at a higher level than people in the congregation. They, it is all a parallel levels. There's just a difference of responsibility that they have. Amen. It's just a difference of responsibility. Now, when he, when, uh, when they brought in the separation, when you, when you completely separate the leadership from the people in the congregation, it, it, you always get this type of attitude that comes, whatever I say goes. You can't think for yourself because you can't understand for yourself. So whatever I say, these are the things that are going to get placed. And it's like, you know, it's like uh, the attitude I used to have before I got saved and, and right after I got saved to my way or the highway, right? That's, that's putting separation where, you know, where it only matters what I think. It only matters what I say because you, you don't have an opinion. You don't have, and when it comes to this aspect, you don't have a right to have an opinion. Amen. But we know that's not how God desires us to lead. Amen. So, so what happens when you get this type of leadership? It brings compromise into the church. Now, this, that was called the doctrine of the Nicolaitans for a reason because it came from Nicholas from Antioch, right? He was one of the deacons talked about in Acts chapter 1, amen? Now, he was a, a pagan worshiper from Antioch, got converted to Judea, uh, Judaism, and then got converted over to Christianity, amen? So, so with that being said, this most early church leaders said that this doctrine would have came from him, meaning when he, uh, the reason when he got converted to each of these different religions and he, and he came to be a Christian, he would have brought in a few things after he separated Separated, right? He separated the church. He was able to bring in and say, well, well, now you people that are listening to me, he goes, now I, I want to show you, it is, it's probably good that we can bring in a few things. It's probably good that we're going to bring back in circumcision because you really may not be able to get saved unless you get circumcised. You really may not get saved unless you start uh, honoring the Sabbath. You really may not be saved if you, don't, if you don't honor the Feast of Trumpets and so on and so forth and starts mingling in a few different things and compromise that he held important, right? He may, as many of them said, he probably brought in some of the pagan worship as well to, to bring it in, to mix it all in. Why? Because it, it just seems to make Christianity better. Well, I'm telling you, anytime you bring compromise into the church, I'm telling you, it brings a weak church. It brings a church with no power and it brings a church with no conviction. Amen. We only follow one doctrine. That is the doctrine of the word of God. That is the doctrine of Jesus that gets brought when we separate everything else on the side of that. You know, I have a, a I have, a, I have a friend, and I don't know if I gave this example a while back, but I'm a, I'll give it to you anyhow. Uh, I, I had a friend that's an Indian. And this, and this Indian friend of mine, you know, he came to me calling and wanted me to pray with him one evening. And uh, he was talking about his parents. You know, his parents are, are Christians, and they, they grew up Hindu, but they, but they were uh, converted to Christian for many years ago. And he, got, and he just had a big argument with his mom. And, he was, and I said, well, what was the problem? He goes, well, my mom's been believing God to do something for, for X amount of time, and it didn't, it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't come to pass, I guess I should say, as quickly as she thought it should. So, so she went to the temple. 
she went to the temple and whatever, you know, because I got like a million gods in, in Hinduism. So I went to the temple and, and, and asked this God to help Jesus, to help, to help you know, because Jesus wasn't coming through. So, so you know, I went, she went to this God and, 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 and asked for this help. And he was so distraught. He said, I don't know. Is it right that I'm mad? I said, yes, it's absolutely right. You should be angry at those things. It's bringing compromise into her faith. I'm telling you, Jesus is enough. There's, not, there's nothing more that we need than Jesus. Amen. Jesus will deliver in the right time when we are believing God and standing in faith on these things, you know. But what happens? She brought compromise in. And when she brings compromise into those things, it starts bringing a wedge in between your, your relationship with him. Amen. It's dangerous stuff. Why? Because it, it, it hinders the Holy Ghost to be operating through you. And it hinders conviction to come into your life for the word of God. When I say conviction, I'm talking about the word of God, the trueness, the, the, the black and whiteness of, of the word of God. Amen. And we need to stay away from those things. Now, listen, when this, I would believe, I guess I should say, that this doctrine of the Nicolaitans, as it came in to the church, it opened up the door for compromise, as I was just talking about to come in. And when that compromise came in, it, came, it opened up the door for this doctrine of Balaam to come in, the doctrine of Balaam. Now, now listen, this doctrine of Balaam, it's a, it, it'd be an inter, interesting doctrine as well. But, uh, and, I, and well, I'll, I'll say that. You know, who, who is, we're going to talk a little bit about, about this doctrine here uh, before we get out of here today, which, man, it seems like our time goes pretty quick in here. But, but Balaam was a prophet of God. He was a non-Jewish prophet. Amen. You say, well, I didn't know there could be any prophets that weren't Jewish. Well, well, you need to study the word of God because God will, God will use, God will use anyone. He even used a donkey. Amen. To, to wake up people if he needs to. But this was a non-Jewish prophet. I don't know if he was, if he was, uh, it was either in uh, Moab or of, of uh, an Amorite prophet. But anyhow, he, he was known to be a prophet of God back in those times. Now, he was not a false prophet. Amen. You say he wasn't a false prophet, but he was an evil prophet. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, he didn't speak outside of what God asked him to say. When God told him to say something, that is what he spoke. He didn't manipulate God's word. He didn't speak and say it was God saying something. He was just, he, he did some evil things, amen, that end up costing him his life. And you say, what is that? Well, Balaam desired to have the reward of a king more than being obedient to the things of God, amen. Now, now, if you turn with me, let's, I'm a, uh, obviously I'm not going to be able to, to go all the way through these, uh, these scriptures here, and, but I'm going I'm to touch on a few of them. In Numbers, I think I'm going to start in 22. Yeah, I'll start in, in Numbers 22 now. Now, given a little history to where this doctrine came from. Now, there was a king of Moab. His name was, was Balak. Amen. And as he, as he was, as the Israelites were coming through, taking territory in Canaan, you know, taking the land that, that God gave them as God asked them to, you know, uh, this, this king of Moab here, he looked down, he, he just saw the Amorites get destroyed and he sees these 3 million plus Jews marching up, marching up. And he, and he, he got, he got a little nervous. Amen. He got a little nervous and he said, you know what, go get me that prophet, go get the prophet Balaam and have him, have him come. Cause I need, I need, I got a job for him. I need him to curse these Israelites. Amen. You see in verse six here, 
It says, come now, therefore, and uh, this is Balak speaking to, to Balaam. He says, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall, uh, and perhaps I shall prevail. He goes, that they may smite them and that I may drive them out of the land, for, for, I, know not what, uh, for I know not what he who has blessed them is blessed, and he who you curse is cursed. Now, now th- this is, that's, a, a pretty amazing, that's a pretty amazing truth right there in itself, that, that even pagans at this time knew. That, that when a prophet of God, when a prophet of Yahweh, when he, when he spoke, amen, when he spoke blessings, the blessings came. When he spoke for curses, the curses came. But, but see, much like the king here, he, he got confused at what is actually happening in the office of the prophet. Much like the church is nowadays, amen. Just, you know, ba- uh, Balak looked at him and he thought, you know, I know every time you speak something, it comes to pass. I know, I know when you speak a curse, that curse comes. I know when you speak a blessing, the blessing comes. So, so I just need you to come and start cursing these people and these things will take place. Well, see, that's not actually how the office of the prophet works. These things come to pass when God speaks through the prophet, when God speaks through the man of God, then those things would take place. Then it will take place. And we see as he, he came to, he said, I got, I got a reward for you. He, he sent down some of his servants and said, I got a great reward for you. If you'll come, just curse these people for me. Everything will be great. Everything will be bright. And he goes, okay. He goes, you got a word? I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. I'll seek God on it. So he went and he, and he sought God and God said, no. He said, no, you're not going to, you can't, you can't curse these people. He goes, he goes, they're blessed. You, how are you going to curse them? How are you going to curse them? Not blessed. You can't, you can't curse these people. Tell them no and go home. So he did just like he should. Walked up, said, no, no. Lord says, no, I can't do it. You, you know, you just go on about your business. So they went back. Well, they went to the king and said, no, the prophet won't come. He said, you go back down there to the prophet and you tell him, I need him to come. I need him to curse these. I need him to curse these Israelites. I, I will give him honor and I I will give him much gold. I'll give, I'll give him, I'll give him whatever he asks. I believe is what, is what that word says there, which, which I, which I find amazing. Amen. And I'll touch on that for a second. I'm telling you honor and reward or honor and riches. I'm telling you is an absolute trap for people in the kingdom. It's a trap. You say, what do I mean with that? You know, people, we are always seeking after the honor of men. Amen. that's something we need to get delivered of church. We need, to get, we need to get away from seeking after the honor of men and, and, and be confident and comfortable with just having, you know, the honor from God that, he, that he's given to us, amen? Because you look, you look, I mean, you, you look, oh Lord, you, you, you look on Facebook today, you look on the things on, on the websites, you look as, on the magazines that you see and all you see is ministers that are trying to please other people. Amen. Let me post how many ministers you see with picture their face on everything. Amen. Just seeing how many likes, how many shares I can get. Why? Because we're wanting to pacify people. We want people to like us. All right. How big is our church? How many famous people come to our church and it doesn't matter what's actually going on in the church. If the move of God is moving in the church, if the word of God's being preached, it's all about a popularity contest. And I'm telling you that honor that you're seeking out for men will be our demise. The honor that we seek for men, I'm telling you, church, it will be to our demise. Amen. We, we have got to begin to seek, seek out only the honor of the Lord. Amen. See, you want the honor? 
to entice you with honor, riches usually come second place in that, all right? You know, oh, if I can just get a little more. You know, here, here comes compromise knocking out the door. What, is, what does First uh, Timothy 6.10 say? For what the, the love of money, see, you, see we, we, you know, you get a lot around a lot of churches nowadays and they misquote that and they say money is the root to all evil and that's absolute rubbish because God needs money to come into his churches. I mean, there's, there just, just with the ministry that God's put upon uh, uh, Kimberly and myself, you know, Martha, and I can look at several other people, you know, Paul and, and Jason back there and, and different ministries that are going to be birthed from this church. I'm telling you, we need lots of money coming in here. Not just, not just a few little, you know, uh, you know, coins tossed in the offer. I'm telling you, we need millions millions and millions coming in this church to fulfill what God is asking us to do. God doesn't hate money. It's the love of money. It's that covetous of money. It's putting money in the place of him to where we start coveting it instead of coveting him and desiring everything that he has. I'm telling you, money will get us into a place where we no longer use money as a tool to serve God. Amen. But it becomes our God. And that's a dangerous place to be. We need to stay away, stay away from those two things. Amen. Let, let God exalt us in everything we do. He says in verse 17, he says, I, I will promote thee to great honor and I will do whatsoever you say unto me. He was just come here, I pray, and curse these people. And Balaam said, I, I, I said unto his ser, uh, servants of Balak, I will give, uh, if, if Balak will give me his house full of silver and gold, he goes, I cannot go beyond what the Lord of God says. I cannot do, I cannot do more and I cannot do less. Amen. He goes, but, but I'll go ask God one more time about it. Yeah, I'll go check him out and see what he has to say. So what did he do? He went back there that evening. You know, God, what do you think about it? And God's like, well, you know, if you're going to keep on coming with me, why don't you just go ahead and go? Just don't say anything. Just don't say anything that I haven't told you to say. And he goes, okay. I mean, y'all know that if we keep, we keep, hmm, if we are persistent in asking God in something that's not our will, he'll give you over to it. He'll allow you to do it. If you keep, if you keep pushing them, keep, you know, I just need this. I just need this. I just need that. And you start putting your faith towards it. You keep, you know, start confessing things. I'm telling you, many of those things will come into our past, even if it's not God's best, even if it's not what God wants for you. Amen. He'll, he'll give you over to that. He'll allow you to have it. Amen. Even if he doesn't want you to, I mean, even if he knows it may, it may cause a problem for you down the road, he'll allow those things to take place. Amen. That's why we need to be listening to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost says, stop, we need to stop. Amen. Stop. It's happened to me several times believing God for things. And he said, stop doing that. You're, you're going to get that if that's what you want. That's not what I, that's not what I have for you. I have, I have this over here for you. Start believing God for that. Start believing me for these things. And they'll come and they'll come into your, and they'll come into your midst. It will come into your midst. So he said, go ahead and go. Just don't, just don't, just don't say anything that I haven't told you to say. So what he did, he, he got on his donkey and started heading off to, to Moab, started heading off to him. And the donkey, the donkey was walking off, walking down the road. And I'm telling you, what is that in verse, uh, in verse 20, 23 here? And it says, and the ass saw an angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword was drawn in his hand and the ass turned aside and went another way. And he went to the field and Balaam smote the ass 
to turn her a different way. So what's happening? You know, as this, as this prophet is going down on this donkey, an angel of the Lord peers to it. God opens up the, uh, the, angel, the, the eyes of this donkey get opened up and he, he moves into a different direction. He starts hitting them. He starts flogging the, that donkey. Well, then the angel moves to a different direction and, and the donkey sees it. And so he moves the other direction and smashes his leg against the wall. He starts beating them again. And then the, 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 the angel kind of cornered up this donkey and bottled him into this, into this place where he couldn't move and the, and the donkey didn't know what to do. So what he do? He just, he just laid down. He just laid down and, that, and he starts flogging that donkey. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then what? God opened up the mouth of that donkey and the donkey said, what in the world do you keep beating me for? Why, why you keep hitting? Like, I mean, a donkey saying, are you an idiot? Can't you see what's in front of you? Can't you see the things that are, that are in, front of your play, in, front of you, in front of you? You know, you've got an angel with a sword that, that's about to smoke you, you know, but, but I'm trying to get you out of, out of his swinging direction, amen? But I'm telling you, our spiritual perception will get numbed when we get outside the will of God. I'm telling you, this is a prophet. He, they called them seers in the Old Testament. He, she, they see into the spiritual realm. They see things that God has for them. And when he got off course, when he was off direction, you know what, you know what was happening? See, so he had some things stirring on the inside. God said, don't, don't, don't say anything that I told you not to say. Well, why'd that angel come? Because there's was, there was thoughts going on in his heart. There's thoughts going on in his mind that, you know what, maybe, maybe I may just let this go. Maybe, I, maybe I'll see what I can do because, man, I, I can get honor. I wonder, I wonder maybe I can be the chaplain of all of Moab. I, you know, I, wonder, I, wonder, I wonder what great things are going to happen. And what happened? This angel came to stop him, to stop him. But he couldn't see it. His spiritual perception was dulled. He was a seer and he couldn't even see. Amen. So what? The donkey's eyes were opened up to what? To stop him, to stop him. To stop them. Church, we need to make sure our spiritual eyes are open. We need to stay on point, stand in direction, stand in what God has for each and every one of us. Not, not allowing ourselves to get distracted because when we get distracted and we get off the mark, we start focusing on money, we start focusing on careers, we start focusing on family, we start focusing on our hobbies, we start focusing on everything else around. Our, our spiritual perception starts getting dulled when we're not in the presence of God, when we're not, we're not focusing in what God has for us. And I'm telling you that even if there's an angel coming to stop you, that, that angel. And when, when God opened up Balaam's eyes, he saw, and he saw that angel. And he, and he was like, well, what are you doing? He said, I, he goes, I, I would have I I smote you. I would have whacked you. You know, but, but that, that donkey kept on moving out of the way. You know, he had, his, he had his eyes so closed. His spiritual eyes were so closed he couldn't see that there was something trying to stop him from getting into the mess that he was getting himself into. Amen. But what did he do? Of course, he repented like any good man of God would. He said, oh, okay. He goes, all right, I'll go back. And he said, I didn't tell you to go back. He said, the Lord said you could go. He goes, but he told you not to speak anything that he hadn't told you. Not to speak one word that he hadn't told you. So he continued on. He continued on. He got into the presence of, uh, he got into the presence of the king there, didn't he? He got into the presence of the king. And uh, three failed, oh man, three failed attempts. Amen. Well, I'm going to have to tell you about that because that's kind of part of the story here. He, <laughs> he, he, had a, he had an attempt. He went up to the king. He said, all right, king, I'm here. And he said, he said, set up an altar. We'll offer up sacrifice unto the Lord, and then I'll seek God on your behalf. 
So this is what the king did. They built, they built altars, worship, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, did sacrifices under the Lord, and then he went and got got in front of God. He came, he came back out that 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 next day or that next morning, I believe it was, and he started pouring out blessings upon Israel. And the king's like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey! I, I told you to curse them, not not to bless them. Not you got to curse them. Why? Because I know when you curse things, they get cursed. I know when you bless things, they get blessed." He said, well, "I can't, I can't say anything the Lord didn't tell me to say." He goes, but I tell you what, let's try this mountain over here. We'll go over here and we'll do the same thing. Let's set up an altar. Let's, let's sacrifice in the Lord and I'll see what the Lord says. He went, got in the presence of God, came back out, started blessing Israel again. He's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're supposed to curse me. He said, I can't say anything. The Lord didn't tell me to say. He said, well, let's try it one more time. Let's try it one more time. Let's set up an altar. Let's have sacrifices. And then we'll you know, get in the presence of God. We'll see what he has to say. Strike three, came out blessing Israel. He came out blessing Israel. And, and, and uh, 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 I like what the, uh, it says, God is God, this is where we get that verse here. It says, God is, is God a man, excuse me, that he should lie. Neither is a son of man that he should repent and he shall not do it. Hath he spoken it and he shall not make it happen? He goes, I've already blessed these people. Amen. They, they are already blessed. How am I going to go? How am I going to go and curse these people? How many of y'all know that uh, in, in, in verse 20 here, it says, behold, I've received commandment to bless and he who has blessed them, I cannot reverse it. How many of y'all know that when God had blesses something, nothing can curse it? Hmm? No, nothing can. When God pours out his blessing, when God pours out his his, 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 his okay on something. It, it's a done deal. You know, why do I bring that up? You know, I, I've, I've heard this here, here lately, I guess, on, on some different, uh, you know, some of these different prophetic churches and different prophetic ministers. And they, you know, we're, we're sitting in church and we bumped into this, these people and, you know, this, this wicked, these wicked people came in and they're sitting there putting curses on the pastor, curses on this, cursing on that. And man, we are just sitting there rebuking, having to go, go over everything that they're doing, making sure those, those curses that they're putting on the church wouldn't affect. I'm telling you, that's absolute rubbish. That's rubbish. I'm telling you, I'd invite every person in witchcraft, every warlock or every witch in, in, this, in, this, in, this, in this island to come in this church. I would invite them in here. Why? Because they're going to get the opportunity to hear the word of God. And we're, not, we're not in fear of any curses coming from why? Because what God's blessed, no one else can curse. And I'm telling you, this church is blessed. I'm telling you, the people in this church are blessed. They cannot get cursed because God's put his seal of approval on it. We need to be pushing. Yeah, we, everyone wants to get so focused on witchcraft, so focus on the demonic, so focus on these other things, and they have no power over you. No power. The only power that, that evil has, the only power that demonic spirits have over you is what you give them. Is what you give them. They have no power over you. You, 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 you yield to them, you give authority to them. Yeah, the, the, they'll make your life a living hell, but I'm telling you, you don't have to do that. They're underneath your feet. Keep them underneath your feet. It's as simple as that. We need, don't be so focused on the demonic things. But focus on the word of God. Focus on the word of God. Focus on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, so what is, so what is the doctrine of Balaam? You know, you say, oh, that stuff sounds pretty good. He, he did exactly what God asked him to, didn't he? Well, well, you'll find out if you read through uh, chapter 20. Well, let me read through chapter 25 here. Not the whole chapter. Just leave me, give me a couple verses here. 
In verse 1 it says, And Israel abode in, in Shittim, and people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto sacrifices unto their gods, and the people did eat, and they bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself to Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun. The fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay every one, kill every one that has joined themselves to Belpore. And then you go on to read, and there's 20,000 people that got, that got slayed that day. 20,000 people got slayed that day. I'm telling you, that, that is amazing. So what, what is the doctrine of Balaam? What is that doctrine? It is, it is doing anything in your power to get what you want. To, to make increase in your life. That is the doctrine of Balaam. What did he do? He knew he couldn't curse them. He knew he couldn't. I can't, I can't curse anything that God's, I can't speak outside of what God says and have any power to it. I can't do those things. But I tell you what, I do know. I do know, I do know the word. I, I, do, I do know what God expects. So he went to the king and said, listen, I, I can't do what you're asking me to do. But see, I can't curse them, but I'll give them to curse themselves. How, how am I going to do that? All you got to do is send your beautiful women down there. Send your beautiful women down there to those Israelites and, they'll sed- and have them seduce those men. And when they seduce those men and they fall in love with those women, then, then allow those, the, the gods of, uh, of Moab, allow your gods to come in and Baal Peor, allow, allow them to come in and these men will begin to worship them. Why? Because they fell in love by, with these women, which they were called not to do. Amen. And, what, and what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They're going to step outside of God's blessing and they're going to open themselves wide up from the curse of the adversary to come in and destroy them, which is exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. The doctrine of Balaam, to do whatever it takes to get what you want, even if it means using a gift of God to get yourself gain. Even if it means using a gift of God to get yourself gain. I'm telling you, this happens in many churches nowadays. Many churches nowadays using the gift, using the gift, using the anointing, using what God's placed in your life to put gain in your pocket, to put gain. I'm telling you, this, this is a doctrine that is disgusting. It is a doctrine of compromise, church, that will leave you, leave you powerless, amen, and it'll leave you without conviction. Amen. You say, and I'll, and I'll end with this. I don't think I'll get to finish everything up, but I'll end with this. You say, why doesn't God just take the gifting away from the person? Why didn't he just, why didn't he just stop? Why didn't he just, you know, why didn't he just kill, uh, kill that prophet there? Why, why is he let ministers stay in the pulpit and do these things? Why, why do people that have such a great anointing for healing, why, why do some of them do some of these disrespectful things uh, in, in the presence of God? Why didn't he just take that gift away from them? I'll tell you, God cares more for people getting healed than he cares about bringing judgment to when people are doing things that are wrong. Hmm? God cares more about people getting healed, people getting saved, people getting delivered than he does about, about allowing some, uh, taking some gift. Why? Because, you know, some, um, I'll give you an example. Maybe this will help clear this up for you a little bit. There is a, there is a, there is a man back in uh, the healing revival 
Amen. Powerful man had amazing healing ministry, amazing healing ministry. I'm talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people came into, into those tent meetings that they used to have in the U.S. It was powerful. He traveled all around the world. Anyhow, during this healing revival, there, there was two ministers that God asked to go speak to this man and bring correction into his life. You say, what was that correction? Well, first one, the guy was as mean as a snake. And it was mean to people. And he needed to correct, needed to correct his love walk. Secondly, the man was overweight, and he said he, need, he needed to correct, you know, correct how he's taking care of his body because it would cost him his life if he didn't do that. Thirdly, he needed to correct himself in the avenue of finances. And you say, well, what is that? Well, see, when this guy starts preaching Jesus, preaching Jesus, preaching Jesus, and when you sense that anointing, you know, how you can feel that anointing when it starts coming into a house, that anointing started coming in, and he'd reach in his pocket, and he'd pull out a 50 or a 100 and say, anyone who has one of these, come get your miracle. Come get your miracle. And people would come up and pour money down on the floor, and then the masses would get healed. Masses would get healed. Healed, 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 healed. People getting up out of chairs, cancers, tumors falling off people. I mean, amazing, amazing healing things. Well, why, God, why would, why would you allow that to happen to a man like that? Because he cared more about the people. Mercy triumphed over judgment, right? He cared more about people than he did about the sin that that person was committing. I'm telling you now, now that doesn't mean the guy had a, didn't, didn't, didn't answer for the things that cost him his life. He died at 39 years old, I think it is. That is a young man. Imagine all the people that could have got ministered to through that ministry if he would have straightened up to what, the, to what uh, some spiritual leaders in his life had to say. Powerful. He says, repent. Metanoia. Change your way of thinking. Change your way of thinking to, to his way of thinking from your way of thinking. Hmm? He'll bring the goodness of God into your life. He says he'll give you the, the hidden manna, the revelation of the word of God. He'll give you the, the white stone with your name on it, the, the pardon that he's given, that he's given to all, all of humanity. He'll give that to each and every one of us, those who have an ear to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. Amen. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Hmm. Lord, I thank you for correction in your churches. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the great things that are happening, Lord, but I thank you that you love us enough, Lord, that you, that you desire to keep us straight. You desire to, to allow us to fulfill the callings and the destinies that you've placed upon our lives, Lord. Holy Spirit, we say give, we give you freedom. Speak to us, lead us, guide us, direct us, Lord. Lord, correct anything that needs to be corrected on the, on, on the inside of us in our thinking, Lord. Bring metanoia onto the inside of us to where we will change the way we think, Lord. We won't, be, we won't be so consumed with what men and women think about us. We won't be so consumed about popularity contests. We'll be, we'll be consumed and utterly consumed with your word, consumed with the spirit of God, consumed with your presence. Father, we glorify you. We thank you for it. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to, to participate in your church. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, that you are the head of the church. 
And we glorify you and give you all the honor for it. Lord, we thank you for a wonderful week. Lord, we thank you for the baptisms that are going to come up this weekend. Lord, we, we thank you for the people that are going to be going down dead, Lord. And they're going to be raised up into life. We glorify you. We thank you for it. We thank you for our jobs. We thank you for our church. Lord, we thank you for the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. Lord, thank you here, Lord, at Island Church. We are covered by your blood. We are empowered by your word, Lord. And we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen.